0: Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Welcome.
0: Welcome.
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. So accelerate your life. This is going to be a really exciting series. So I'm going to share a little story with you. So uh, we mentioned it in some of our morning services, I think. But about a month ago, I was in my first car accident ever. Yeah, never gotten in a car accident before. And uh, so... I was driving down the 52 freeway on my way to a women's event early in the morning. I, it was like the black dress with like the pearl necklace outfit. So I was all glammed up like at nine. So the guy that hit me had to be like, what is happening right now? It's like it, it wasn't a morning look. But anyways, so I'm driving down the 52 and uh, I was listening to, to the song Miracles in my car and I was praying in the Holy Spirit. And some would say maybe praying in tongues. So I know that that can be a little freaky to some of you. But um, so I thought I was praying for my house that was supposed to go into escrow that day. But what I realized I was praying for in the Holy Spirit, I was praying so I would not die. Okay. So, so I want to I backtrack a little bit because I mentioned the word tongues. And I know some people freak out about that because I used to be one of those people. So if you're thinking, oh, this is one of those churches I'm going to get up and walk out. Don't. Don't leave. Let me just explain. Okay, so I totally used to think that speaking in tongues and and the power of the Holy Spirit was for Bible times. Like I was one of those people that thought like, oh, that was relevant in the Bible, but we no longer need it today. Um, And so I would argue with my brother who went to Bible college and he believed in the power of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and all this. And we would just argue, argue, argue. And he's like, don't put God in a box, Becky. And I'm like, yeah, well, your box is crazy. Like I was just like, we just, you know, back and forth all the time. And then, um... You know, so I was just taught. It's, I never actually read the Bible about it. it. Isn't that funny how we think we know all this stuff, but we have actually haven't read the Bible for ourselves? The stuff we know is just what people have told us, and it's from their perspective and their tainted views. And so I had no idea. So I just always had blinders on when I read the Bible, like, oh, that isn't for today. So I would never considered it. I was against it. And then I began to read the Bible, and I just was like, you know what? I need to humble myself because I need to actually know what the Bible says, not just what people have said to me. And so I was just like, okay, God, I'm just going to like take off the blinders and I'm going to read your word as it is and what it says. And, the, and God showed himself to me in such a real and powerful way. In Acts 1, um, starting in verse 5, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 8, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So right here, there's a discrepancy. There's a difference between water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's actually two separate encounters we can experience as believers. And so... They said, so Jesus told the disciples, go wait in Jerusalem. Go wait for this power before you go out and be my disciples. And then we all know that the day of Pentecost came, and they were all waiting in the upper room. And it said the Holy Spirit fell, and it was like tongues of fire fell upon each and every one. And each and every one began speaking in a language they did not understand, in languages that they were not raised and taught with. And then they were filled with power. And then it says they went out in power to perform miracles and make disciples and heal the sick of all the nations. So so this is the Holy Spirit showing himself to us. And then Jude one twenty says this. But you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. So praying in the Holy Spirit is building our faith up. That's what it is doing. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, for if you pray in tongues, my spirit is praying and I don't understand what I'm saying. So when I'm praying in tongues, I actually don't understand what I'm saying. But the spirit understands what I'm saying. So this is where some teaching has gotten off and this is some teaching I didn't understand. So I always thought if I heard someone praying in tongues, they should not do that because I don't know what you're saying. But the, it tells me right here in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So actually, if I'm praying in tongues, I'm actually not talking to you. So I don't actually need to interpret what I'm saying because I'm actually crying out to God and building up my faith and speaking to God, not you. Now, if I were to get on the microphone and start making a, a declaration or prophesying in tongues, absolutely there needs to be interpretation. That's unfruitful for everybody, right? So, but I just wanted to bring a little bit of understanding to this. And so Romans Romans 8.26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should be praying what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27 then goes on to say, the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it's, it's like we're praying the perfect prayer in the Holy Spirit. Like sometimes we don't even know what we should be praying for, so we need to pray in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us on behalf of us to bring God's will to pass in our lives. Now, I struggled with this for a while when I came to C3 Church, again, because all the things I had been told. And so I was just, you know, I'd been prayed for and I would go home and I would like pray in tongues and I'd feel silly. And, um, and then I was like, is this real? Like, is this real? Or am I just making this up? You know, I'm just being honest. Can I? Is that okay? All right. And so, and then I was tired of kind of going back and forth. Like, is this real or is, is this not? Is this for today or not? And I, I was in Australia with Pastor Jurgen and John and Pastor David Chittick. And we were going to visiting this church. And I remember that day I stepped into the elevator at the hotel. I'm like, God. I'm sick of wavering back and forth. I just need you to reveal yourself to me. Like, just show me. So once and for all, I can know if this is real or if it's not. And that night, we were visiting a church. And the pastor of that church asked everyone to kind of stretch out their hands towards us and just to pray for us. So everyone kind of surrounded us and laid their hands on us and started to pray for us. And so I'm just like praying. and. And, like, receiving, you know, and I'm just, like, praying in English and, you know, just, you know, just kind of agreeing with what they were saying and this and that. And as my eyes were closed, like, this obnoxious person was praying in tongues so loud. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, who the, like. And, I, and so I closed my eyes again, and then it started again. They were being so obnoxious. I'm like, wow, like that's really loud. Like you're trying to draw attention to yourself. And I'm like trying to figure out who it is. So I'm like peeking like out, out my eyes. And then I opened my eyes a third time, and I realized it was me. I was the obnoxious person praying in tongues. It was the only time, the only time I've ever, it's overtaken me and I didn't even know I was doing it. Now it's a choice and a discipline and I do it because I need to. But that was the only time. And it was God just like going, okay, Becky, like stop wavering back and forth. Like I showed myself to you, it's real. So I'm just saying like that's what happened to me and now I'm a believer Like I actually believe the word of God. Like I was so little faith having to ask for something like that and God really had to show himself to me but that's how little faith I had to believe the word of God. But I just wanna tell you today that praying in tongues is powerful. And as I sat there on the 52 freeway Thinking I was praying in the spirit for my house that was supposed to go into escrow that day. I believe the Holy Spirit was interceding for me so I would not die. Because I was on the 52 freeway. Traffic had completely come to a stop on my way to La Jolla. And I'm praying in tongues, praying for my house and the Holy Spirit, listening to miracles, building up my faith. And I was going for it. And at the last second, I look in my rearview mirror and I realize the F-150 truck approaching does not know traffic has stopped. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I, just, I was just like praying really loud in tongues. And so I probably, this is all probably a second and a half, you know, but kind of so everything kind of slows down. And so all I did, I just, I had enough time. I just turned my wheel really hard left and I just punched the accelerator. And so, thank God, he saw me about the same time I saw him. It was right before impact, but now I'm accelerating off the freeway, and then he impacts my car to push me further off the freeway. And then I realize at this point, when I hear all the branches hitting my car, I think my eyes are closed. And so, and then, so I'm just hearing branches, 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 enough time to open my eyes and see a tree, and then I slam all my brakes. I think they have a photo of where I ended up. So... I walked away completely unharmed. (laughs) You know, what's so crazy. I posted this photo saying, I believe in miracles. And I posted it on social media. And a friend I actually have not seen in over 20 years said, was that on the 52? Was there a a blue F-150? And she was right behind me. And she said the second impact happened, she started praying because there was a a ravine just on the other side of that tree. And they were worried I was going to go in it. So I had people praying for me. That I didn't even know. So I believe in praying in tongues. And then John was so mad at me because I just called him. I was like, I just got an accident. I'm on the 52 West. And I hung up and he's like, I was like, it flustered, I was flustered. I didn't know what to do. But anyways, he got there and he came to my rescue. He's so good to me. (laughs) I love it. So we're in the accelerate series. So accelerating in my accident did not allow me to avoid the accident. As believers, being a believer and trusting in God and doing all the right things does not mean that you won't have misfortune, does not mean that you're going to not have accidents or you won't have problems or you won't experience heartache or pain or hurt or face a storm. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And the Bible says when you fall into various trials. So we know we're going to face challenges. There's things in this life that we're going to have to overcome, things we're going to have to face. And there are things we may not be able to avoid happening to us. And walking with God Does not necessarily guarantee an accelerated path. And I know you don't like that. John did not like that when I said that to him at home. He's like, What are you talking about, babe? I'm like, Think about it, honey. Walking with God does not guarantee an accelerated path. Sometimes he accelerates the process, but a lot of times he doesn't bypass anything in the process on the way to his promises. The one things he, the things he promises us is that he will never leave us or forsake us and that he will work all things together for good. It doesn't mean that, nothing, that uh, things that are not good are not going to happen to us, but he's going to work all things together for good for those who love him. Because the accelerated process does not necessarily happen for Abraham, did it? Abraham had to wait 25 years for his promised son, Isaac. Noah had to wait 120 years for his life's purpose to actually come to fruition, to be fulfilled. Remember Joseph? He had to wait 22 years for his dream to come to pass. And we don't like that because we want it all and we want it now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. But with Joseph, we I, and I've mentioned this before, with Joseph, you know, God has the view from up in heaven. He knows all things. We don't know what we don't know. Joseph didn't know that God needed to delay his promise, delay his destiny just a little bit because God needed to use Joseph to save an entire nation and his family from a famine. God used Joseph to talk to Pharaoh to have a strategy for an entire nation to sustain themselves during a seven-year famine. So we don't always understand God's timing, but we have to trust that he knows all things. And sometimes when there's a delay, God has more than just you in mind. He had an entire nation in mind when he was delaying Joseph's dream. Walking with God and being obedient to him does not necessarily accelerate our process. But God will work all things together for good for those who love him. But we don't like to wait, do we? And when we're waiting, when we wait too long, we begin to question God's goodness. We begin to question if he actually hears our prayers. And then sometimes we take matters into our own hands. And instead of waiting for his promises, we settle for an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. And we make a mess out of everything. But the good news is tonight that God can change everything. God can change everything. So again, while being a believer and doing all the right things doesn't necessarily accelerate our process. And we don't get to bypass troubles. But there are things that we can do to set us up for a blessed life. There are things that we can do that set us up for a blessed life. My message is Pathway to Promise tonight the pathway to promise. And the first thing I want to continue talking about is prayer and prophecy. Prayer and prophecy. So we know that prayer brings down heaven to earth. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, they said, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, pray, thy will be done on earth As it is in heaven. So Jesus teaches us that we actually have to call God's will down from heaven to earth. Surprisingly, God's will probably rarely happens here on the earth because we have to call it down and make it happen. So chances are, if we're not praying, we're probably not experiencing God's perfect will for our life because we experience His perfect will when we call it down from heaven. When we live in a world where there's a spiritual battle taking place for each and every one of us, there's a spiritual battle over each and every life. That's why we celebrate when souls get saved. That's why we celebrate when 286 people give their life to hero because there's a spiritual battle over each and every one of those lives. There's a spiritual battle, and the enemy is on assignment. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us what his assignment is. He says, our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring like lion, seeking whom he may devour. And his mission is described in John 10:10. 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy our lives. But we know that God has come to give us life and that we may have it more abundantly. So that's why we must fight. That's why we must pray, because we have an enemy that is wanting to to steal and to kill and destroy our lives. So we have to wage war against the spiritual battle. We have to pray in the spirit and assert the dominion of Jesus Christ in our lives over our family, over our children, over our stuff that he's trying to steal. At the beginning of this year, I really felt this. I need to leave no territory untouched by prayer. We need to leave no territory untouched by prayer. Everything in our lives. And we begin to really press in and pray for a home this year. For, and this is the beginning of the year, our Vision Sunday. You know, every year, and, we, and we've had so many beautiful, faithful people who I'm so thankful for have been praying for a home for John and I for so many years. But, and we've always, on our vision cards, I've actually never felt that this was, that was the year in previous years. I always wrote um, that we would be in a strong position to buy a home, because I actually never felt a release that this was the year. But this was the year I felt was the year. So January 1, we started looking at houses like crazy. We probably went to 30 or 40 homes looking for houses and um, trying to find our home. And, and many of you probably know our story, but I'll summarize it, because you may be wondering why your pastors don't have a home. Um, and so, so this was a significant year for us. This was a significant, I'll explain, babe. So this was a significant year for us. This was year eight for us, year eight after we had lost everything. So we had owned 13 property properties in our late 20s and early 30s. We had 13 homes. And then when the market crashed, we lost all of those properties. We lost the renters of those properties. We ended up losing the homes of those properties, and we ended up having to let go of our own home. We had $300,000 saved up in the bank account, and we, we were trying to be good stewards of everything. And so we paid, you know, these 13 mortgages for a couple years until we dwindled our bank account down to just a couple hundred dollars. And so at that point, we, we had to release our own home. But then you know that we, we all, we've we probably heard the story before, but God having to let go of all of those properties, God actually moved us in to a rental property that was even better than the magnificent home that we had to give up. So how good is God? Like, I mean, and then they set the rent at a, Price we could afford. And even at one point when we hit another hard bump, he reduced the rent. Even it was just been amazing. Like God has provided for us so beautifully for eight years. But this is the year eight for us since we went through all of that. And in the Bible, the year eight represents resurrection and new beginnings. And we really felt that this was our year. This was our year. And so one Sunday morning, I was preaching all the morning services, and John took the kids home after the second service. And he goes, oh, there's an open house by our home. I'm going to go stop and look at it. And so then I get this call right after I was done preaching, my third message. And he's like, babe, I found our house. We stood up in the master bedroom with the kids and we prophesied this was our house. He's like, you got to go. And I'm like, okay. And so I drove over. And as I walk into this house, I walk in. I'm like, oh, sugar. And... And as I'm walking in, the sales agent is actually talking about John. She's like, oh, yeah, this guy came in with his kids. He was really sweet. And he said, he's buying this house. And I was like, oh, that was my husband. That was my husband. And so the, the second I walked in and I looked at it, I get on the phone. And I'm like, babe, get me this house. And I text our management team. I'm like, we found our house. Everybody start praying. And so, but... We weren't, I mean, we were, this was all a very rushed process, so we hadn't got pre-qualified yet or anything, so we're scrambling, 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 and we told the agent, like, let us know if a contract comes in, because we want to submit something, we just have to get our paperwork in order, but I think she forgot to call us, because then we went the next Monday, and we looked online, and the house was under contract with someone else. And I'm like, but we, we really felt like when we walked in, we had seen probably 30 or 40 homes. I never felt like this. I was like, this is our house. Like we felt like this was our house. And so now we're going on this journey and it was a few weeks and we, we just kept like, People probably think we're crazy because I'm like, yeah, that's our house. We're getting that house. And we're not even under contract. Like, someone else is buying it. Like, but we just were prophesying. And so it was right by the current home we were in. So every time we drove by, we were like, we prophesy that house is ours in Jesus' name. All my kids were prophesying that was our house. We were like, cancel that contract in Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. So my kids, like, my kids were in it to win it, man. Like, every moment of every day, they were asking about the house. We were canceling the contract. We were prophesying that it was our home. We were, like, doing the whole thing. And then uh, it was a couple weeks into the contract, and I just thought, like, are we just crazy? Like, we're telling everyone this is our house, but it, someone else is buying it. And then I just thought it was, like, week three, I, I just prayed. I prayed, and I felt God say, write a letter to the owners. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I sat down and I wrote a letter And in this letter, I told them that I had looked at their home and it was so beautiful and I loved it and that my kids would be pumped out of their brain if this was their house. And I said that I understand that it's under contract, but if anything were to ever happen with the contract, I just want you to know that we're here and we'd love to live in your home. And I said, having this home to me would mean everything because it's a home that my kids would want their friends to come over and hang out in. And as a mother, that means so much. And I just said, I know the agent let us know that this was your dream home and that you got moved for work, and I'm just praying that you make great friends and you find another dream home. And then I just let them know that their home would not just be filled with our family and full of joy with that, but we're pastors and we're committed to the city, and that this home would be filled with future leaders that are are committed to winning San Diego for Jesus. And I wrote this letter, and I put a family photo in it. (laughs) Because my family is very cute. And so then I was like, okay, this is week three. Like the house is supposed to close for the other people in like a week, you know. I'm like, this is crazy town. But And then, and then so I put it in, the, I prayed over it and I put it in the mailbox and I put up the flag. And then John calls me. He's like, babe, I just drove by the house. The owners are leaving. They're loading up the U-Haul. They're not going to get the letter in time. I'm like, oh. so I prayed again. And I really felt like, because it, it could be kind of stalkerish. But I was just like, Jesus, I want to go drive it over. And he's like, okay. So I put Henley in the car and I put her biggest pink bow in her hair. And I drove over to the house and I sat in my car and I just took a deep breath and I prayed again. And I walked out and I recognized them because I looked at their photos when I looked at their house. I'm like, hi. Like, my name's Becky. Like we looked at your home a few times. I love it. And I was just like maybe <laughs> like, like giving the guy like fist fist bumps for how he set up the backyard. and I was just chatting away, and I just said, like, I know this probably seems crazy, but I just can't live with any regrets. And I said, I just wanted to give you this letter, and if anything changes, I would love to talk with you about the possibility of living in this home. And they were like, oh, you're so sweet. You're so cute, Henley." And then we just kind of said our goodbyes and I walked away. And I felt such peace. But it's under contract with someone else about to close in one week. But then a couple days later. <laughs> a couple days later. We get a call from the agent and they said, the contract is canceled. They want to sell the house to you and they're not putting it back on the market. (laughs) Yes. They did not want to put the house on the market. They said, your wife and the letter made such an impact on the sellers, they only want you to own this home. All because we prayed and we prophesied, we declared things that were not as though they were, we declared the contract was canceled, we declared the home was ours when it was not. We need to pray and we need to prophesy and believe. And I'm telling you, even though we felt that it was our home, that God worked all of that out. Every step of the way has been a battle. We have continued to have to fight and battle in prayer. The loan we got was ridiculous. And it said 6% interest, nothing we could afford. And then it was that. And I'm like, no way, we can't pay that. And then they said, well, we can't give you a loan. And the moment they said, we can't give you a loan, the seller calls us and says, oh, we just got a full cash backup offer, like a taunting big giant in our face. We can't come up with the money, but there's someone who has a full cash offer. And we just felt like it was the devil is trying to intimidate us and trying to steal our property. So you've had to warfare every step of the way. And then I'm like, we're going to pray and believe for 4% or less interest on this loan. And John goes, babe, that doesn't even exist. I'm like, oh yeah, it does in heaven. Yeah. And I'm happy to tell you we got 3.65. Yeah. It doesn't even exist. So we close escrow this week, everyone. But we had to continue to persist and pray and push back the prince of darkness to get our promise. I wonder how many times we haven't been able to walk into our promise because we stopped praying too soon. There's an the enemy trying to steal in warfare against us. We have to press in and pray to see God's will come to pass and bring his will from heaven to earth. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What do you need to loose and what you need to bind to see God's promises come to pass in your life. It doesn't come without a battle. It doesn't come without a battle. James 5, 16 through 17 says, well, the second part of it says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and then the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Our prayers have power to open And shut the heavens. Our prayers have power. So we need to open the heavens through our prayers. And pray that God's will will come to pass in our life. And don't accept any less than God's promises in your life. Amen? (coughs) Excuse me. I didn't know I'd be yelling this much. (laughs) My cold is kicking in. Okay, my second point. So we need to pray and prophesy. The second point, the pathway to promise is obedience to his voice. Obedience to his voice. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, so stick with me. It's in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 13. And it should come up on the screen. Now it shall come to pass... If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I had commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowls. shall be you be when you come in and blessed you will be when you go out the Lord will cause your enemies who raise against you to be defeated before your face they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways the Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses and all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you the Lord will establish you as his holy people to himself just as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall not lend to many nations but you shall not borrow and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He will make you above and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord which I command You today and be careful to observe them. Wow. The blessing of obedience to God's voice. The blessing to obedience of God's voice. And the scripture goes on to say basically the exact obedience. Opposite will happen when you don't obey the voice of the Lord. Obedience is so powerful. Jeremiah seven twenty-three through 24 says, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts, and went backwards and not forwards. They went backwards and not forwards. I don't want to go backwards and not forwards. I don't want you to go backward and not forward. And I know that when we disobey, it doesn't mean that the promise isn't gonna eventually happen, but it does mean that there's gonna be some delays. Remember the Israelites, an 11-day journey because they disobeyed the voice of the Lord. It took them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They eventually did get to their promised land, but not without hardship, without a road that was difficult to travel, without being in the wilderness. So I, I want to encourage you, just because if you haven't been obedient to the voice of the Lord, you can get back on track. It just may take you a little longer, but God's promises are still for you. I want you to accelerate forward and be blessed, not reverse and go backwards. If we obey the voice of the Lord, that will equal blessing from the Lord. Obeying equals blessing. And I want to share this story with you. And I referenced it earlier. We lost the 13 homes um, about eight years ago, now, nine years ago. And we were trying to, you know, build everything back up. And at that time we had just moved into this new home that God had given us. And But it was still even a stretch at that point because we were still trying to work everything out and recover. And we knew we – John had a deal that was going on when he was in real estate, and it was supposed to bring in $24,000, which was going to get us through the year. And then uh, shortly after we moved into this home, the deal fell out, and we didn't have the $24,000. So in a moment, we were $24,000 short for the things that we needed. And it was during that time God spoke to John and I in, a, in our Vision Builders uh, service, which is our service where we commit to giving an above our tithe and offering to buy buildings and churches and do missions and to reach people for Jesus. God spoke to both of us in that service, and he asked us to give $6,000 in addition to our tithe towards Vision Builders. So now I'm sitting in a Sunday service in tears going, I need $30,000 now. Like, I need $30,000. Like, where is this going to come from? But John and I both felt that God spoke to us. And when we've been around long enough and followed God long enough that when he speaks, we know we need to obey. God knows what he's doing. He knows your situation. He's not going to steer you wrong. And so we committed that $6,000 in the vision builders not knowing how we were going to fulfill it, but knowing that God was going to come through. Because if God speaks to you and asks you to obey, he's going to make a way, isn't he? And so within a couple weeks after that, we were opening the mail one night in our new home that God had given us. And we opened up this check that was just a few dollars shy of $30,000 from the state of California. Uh, Yeah. So what had happened, apparently they had made a big mistake on our taxes quite a few years prior, and they just happened to do a review, and they caught the mistake and mailed us a $30,000 check just weeks before God asked us to obey and step out where we were $30,000 in need. Like I am telling you, when God asks you to obey, he's gonna make a way. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We have to trust his voice. God isn't up up in heaven going, oh crap. Oh crap. They actually believed me. They actually listened to what I said. Now how am I gonna get them the money? Like God never says, oh God. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And don't let analysis give you paralysis because God will speak and then it doesn't make sense in the natural. And we're like, oh, I can't do that. It never makes sense with kingdom. It never makes sense. It usually is completely crazy. And so, but you just have to go get really good at listening to God's voice because if he's telling you to do something, chances are he has your breakthrough on the other side of that obedience that he's asking you to step out into. And I'm going to help some single people right now. Share another story about obedience. So I had dated this really great guy all through college. It was going on. John just <laughs> did a thumbs down. Yes. Okay. He wasn't that great. Okay. He was 6'6". Six, six. He was a basketball player. So very nice. And he loved God. All right. He loved God. Dated him all through college, and we were planning on getting married because that's what you do after you date that long, right? And so, uh, and I knew he had the ring, and he was a good person, but there was just something, you know, that something that you just feel a little unsettled, that something is usually God. I'll just help some people out right now, but I was just like, you know what? This is almost five years. Like, I don't want to give the relationship up, and I remember, remember thinking, oh, we'll be happy. We can make it work. And so I was getting down to the wire. Like, we were talking dates. I knew he had the ring. And I was just like, God, I just felt like a little bit tormented over this because I did not have a peace. And God's the author of peace. So if you don't have peace, just so you know, he's probably not in the decision. So so one night I was like, God, I just need to know. And so I said, well, I'm going to put out my fleece. So if you don't know what that is, it's a story from Judges 6. You can go back and look at it later. But it's, it's where Gideon, God speaks to Gideon. He's the leader of Israel, and he tells Gideon to go gather all the troops to go against the Midianites, to fight against the Midianites. And this was like a big ask, you know. And so he's like, oh, I just want to make sure I'm hearing from God, so I'm going to put out my fleece, which is a piece of wool. So he's like, God, if you really want me to gather the troops and go against the Midianites and you're going to give us victory, I'm going to put out this piece of wool. And then I'm going to ask for a sign. When I wake up in the morning, if the fleece is wet but the ground is dry, I'm, I know that you're with me and, and I'll go against the Midianites. And so, so sure enough, the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. But because he had lack of faith, he said, oh, just give me one more sign, God. So the next day, he said, next, the next day, God, I pray that the fleece is dry and the ground would be wet. Sure enough, the fleece was dry and the ground was wet. So he's like, okay, God, I know you're with me. We'll go up against the Midianites. So that's what I mean why I was going to put out my fleece. I was going to kind of, God, ask for a sign. Like, should I break up, you know, with this person or marry this person? And I, and so my fleece with it was this. Because the story in the Bible where God asks Abraham to... Um, sacrifice his son Isaac his promised son and I remember I I struggled with that story and I just felt like God wanted to see if if Abraham would be obedient to him no matter what and so I just felt like I didn't want to give up this relationship relationship but I was just I think God was saying she will she be obedient to me and just listen to my voice so I said okay God by the end of the day someone needs to bring up the story to me about Abraham and Isaac that was my fleece I know pretty specific huh So I go to Bible class. So it wasn't of her, I'm I'm in Bible college, you know, so like, you know, gave God some good odds. (laughs) And I was going to Old Testament class, you know, give God a shot. Sit through Old Testament class. No one says anything. So I'm like, okay. I had Bible study that night. This was going to be my last interaction with humans. So I get to the door, and there's a sign on the door that says Bible studies canceled. So I'm like, oh, all right. So I go home, get in bed, 10 o'clock. I hear a knock on my bedroom door. I literally just said, well, God, I guess I'm marrying him. I just said, God, I guess I'm marrying him. Knock on my door, my roommate, who I never talked to says I just have to tell you today in Bible class we were talking about Abraham and Isaac and and I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh you guys I totally said a cuss word and I threw my pillows at her she had no idea what was happening I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not marrying this person. Like, my whole life that I thought was going to be like this is now longer going to be like this. She had no idea what was happening. And I was just, like, freaking out and, like, throwing pillows. Because I knew. I knew. Like, there is no way I could marry this person now. I actually had to give up the relationship because it would be complete defiance and disobedience to God. And I know enough that I want to walk in his ways. I want to walk in his plans. I want to walk under the blessing of heaven and not the curse of this world. So I, I had to end the relationship. And honestly, I think a lot of times we don't ask for a sign maybe. And can I just back that up? Back it up, back it up. Don't all be putting out fleeces everywhere, okay? I am not a good example. Neither was Gideon. Lack of faith. You know what we have, what Gideon didn't have that we have, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have beautiful people and leaders here at C3 San Diego who will give you wisdom and counsel. And the Bible says in Proverbs that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So maybe, maybe pray ask the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. Is there peace there? Is there not? And then maybe ask for confirmation from a trusted wise counselor in church or your connect group leader. I think a lot of times people don't ask for wise counsel because you know what? I have a feeling you know, but you don't want to hear it out loud. I'm just saying it because I've lived there. I have lived there. I don't ask other people's opinions because deep down you have the Holy Spirit who convicts you, but you don't want to hear the truth because you want to walk in your ways and you want to take matters into your own hands and you want to live to the flesh. But I'm telling you, I am telling you, you don't want to go down that road. If you find yourself isolating yourself and not wanting to ask for counsel or friends, chances are you're going down the wrong path. You're going down the wrong path, the path of destruction, the Bible tells us. You don't want to go that way. And I will take the pain of obedience over the pain of disobedience any day. Any day. But I understand why we can be reluctant to choose obedience. Like I said, we have a sinful nature. It can be difficult to give up the things that we want in our flesh. Sometimes we don't know any better. Sometimes we actually don't know. And you innocently make the wrong mistake. But I think one of the biggest things is, do we really trust God? God. Do we really trust that he has those promises for us, or is that just for Brittany or Shauna or John or Michael? Like, do we actually trust that he has good plans for us? Because if we actually trusted him that he was a good, good father, that we're safe within his name, obedience would be a no-brainer. Because we know that he has our best interests in mind. And we know that he doesn't want to withhold good things from us. So I think it comes down to a lack of trust in the goodness of our Heavenly Father. I think our level of trust in his goodness determines the level of obedience to his voice. The level of trust in his goodness determines the level of obedience to his voice. And I get it. Obedience can come with some temporary pain. So we run from pain. But pain has a purpose. If we run from pain our whole life, we'll never experience his promises or his purpose. Because I, it was painful to write the check for $6,000. Absolutely. It was painful to end the relationship. It's going to be painful to end some things. It's going to be painful to end a business relationship or to end whatever God's asking you to end. It's going to come with some pain. But it's temporary pain. It's temporary pain. Don't run from it. God has a plan on the other side of your pain. And we can't settle. We cannot settle for what's in front of us. If you don't believe and trust that God is going to come through for you, you'll set settle for what's in front of you. If you don't believe and trust that God's going to come through for you, you'll settle for what's in front of you. We need to be people who pray people who prophesy, and people who are obedient to his word. We need to be obedient to his word. God has such good things for us, blessings, only good things. And I know right now some of you may be going through some things and the circumstances seem pretty fierce. And there's an incredible song out there that says, I'm going to look above what my eyes can see to only what you've promised me. I'm gonna lift my eyes above what it looks like. I will only see all you've promised me. I'll lift my eyes above the circumstances, and I'm only gonna see what you've promised me. And I'm not gonna settle for what's in front of me. I'm gonna hold out for God's best. And we've gotta trust his timing, trust in his goodness. We've got one shot at this life. And we want to live under the open heaven, the blessing of heaven, surrendering to our heavenly father who only has good plans for us. So church, I hope I've encouraged you tonight to be a people that presses in and keeps fighting keeps fighting in prayer and prophesying those things that are not as though they are and believe and not waver in your faith and be obedient to his word even when there's pain attached to it and I know some of you have made some decisions that maybe have been disobedient to his word but I can tell you the same way you got into that mess is the same way you're going to get out of it you are living in the some choices that you've made in the past so all you have to do to have a different future to reap a different harvest is start changing the kind of choices that you make. The bad choices got you here, so it's going to just take a few good choices that are going to get you to where you know you want to be. It's just making good choices, little choices, all the little things, all the little things. Be obedient to that little thing, those little voices. And soon enough, you're going to wake up and you're going to look at a world that is so much brighter. You're going to wake up in the world that you've always dreamed of. The one that God says is far above anything you could ever hope for or imagine. God has that for you, not just for me. This is all just the unexpected checks, the blessing, the house, the loan. That is not anything just because it's me. That is for you too. God has the exact same thing for you. We serve the same God. You're his daughter, I'm his daughter. You're his son, he's his son. God is no respecter of person. Are you living the life you want to live? If not, pray, prophesy, prophesy to the dead bones that they'll come back to life, prophesy to that broken marriage that it's going to be restored, prophesy to that son or daughter who's away from God that they'll be back in the house of the Lord that you will see the promises of God come to pass in your life, that you will see the heavens open over your life, that you'll flourish, you'll flourish, you'll prosper, you're going to be blessed. Speak it out. Speak to that mountain that it be removed. Speak to your mountain. Prophesy. Prophesy those things that you don't see as 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 they need to be. You prophesy, you call it into being. A 4% or below loan did not exist in the natural, but in the spiritual, you prophesy, prophesy. God is with you, he's for you, you're his kids. He loves you, he has a future and a hope for you, a destiny far above anything you could ever hope or imagine. God loves you so much, God loves you so much. I've got to end this service, I'm so tired in the best way. Oh, my gosh. I just know people got, you are, God is stirring something in you. People are going to walk out here and make different decisions, and everything's going to change. And the best decision you could ever make, the first good decision that you need to make is to walk with Jesus. All these bad decisions got you here. We're going to start making good decisions. The first decision you need to make is walk with your Heavenly Father. Surrender your life to Jesus. And He's going to help you make all the good decisions following this one. So I'm going to take two minutes. Two minutes. We're going to close at 6.30. I want everyone to close their um, eyes and bow their head, please. If you know you're in here and you've never surrendered to Jesus as your Savior, tonight is your night. This is the night that God has destined from the beginning of time where you get to meet your Heavenly Father you know you need Jesus, you need to surrender everything to him so you can have a fresh start. Or maybe you've did this at one point, you gave your life to Jesus but you've taken your life back. Well tonight, reconnect with him, reconnect with him. If that's you and you know you need to meet Jesus and make that good decision tonight, we just lift your hand up nice and high
0: tonight. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.